the longest and darkest of our year, and the days are the shortest. For some, the lack of light makes it hard to get through the day. When there's a loss and a grief in life, these days can be even more challenging. Some churches have what's called a blue Christmas service to acknowledge the struggles that some have in this season and to offer comfort of knowing that they are not alone in their suffering. In the spirit of Blue Christmas, we have one short line from the 12th chapter, verse 15, of Paul's letter to the Romans. Rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. Jessica Parsons hung the ornament, a simple red chrome ball, on a branch right in the middle of the tree. Then she took it off and uh, hung it from an upper left branch. And then she removed it again, and finally she found a place down around the back. She stood back from the tree and sighed. She'd been decorating the living room for a little over an hour and had personally hung three ornaments in a total of 17 places. Plus, she'd sat on one. (laughs) It was very clear to Jessica that she simply did not feel like decorating for Christmas this year. She was, she realized, doing it for the kids, who, at the moment, were off in other parts of the house, while her husband, Tim, was outside putting up the lights. They did the same thing every year, and despite her feelings, it was going pretty much as normal. They'd searched through the garage looking for those boxes marked Christmas decorations that had been put away so many months ago with their labels turned towards the wall or underneath another box. Once the boxes had all been uncovered and taken out and brought into the house, She'd left her husband, Tim, to grumble over untangling the strings of lights. Eventually, while hanging them up, he would, at some unknown but inevitable point, bang his head on the eaves and fall into the rhododendrons. For kids, Jonathan was 10 and probably almost too old for this tradition. Amanda was at seven, very much still into it. But they both knew by heart the exact placement of a host of Christmas characters. The sock monkey Santa went on the bookshelf next to the chipped porcelain Rudolph, the Elvis snow globe, and a stuffed frosty so old that it was more the color of oatmeal than snow. The same holiday playlist was wafting through the house, Vienna Boys Choir, Barbara Streisand, Chipmunks. Jonathan and Amanda were in the den arranging carefully preserved nativity set on the coffee table next to this year's Advent wreath and calendar. In a time-tested tradition, they were gradually working their way towards a fairly traditional arrangement. But first, they played games with the figures, enacting adventures like the long trip to Bethlehem and Baby Jesus Rides a Camel and Dive Bomber Angels. Jessica had been anxious about Christmas for months. It had been a rough year, the worst year of her 38 years. Her mother was diagnosed with liver cancer in late January. She declined quickly, horribly, 
and had barely made it to Easter. Jessica had been numb through most of the summer, helping her dad with the paperwork and still caring for Tim and the kids. Early in August, she had started to feel angry. She was angry at the doctors. Had they missed her mother's symptoms somehow? She was angry at her father. For 43 years of marriage, he was the one who'd eaten all the wrong things, the one who never exercised. Her mother had watched her diet, taken daily walks, and died anyway. Dad had eaten bacon and eggs every morning. Now lost and alone in a house that raised four kids, her father was pouring a bowl of Count Chocula for breakfast when he remembered to eat breakfast at all. Jessica was angry at her mother for taking care of everyone but herself. Mom had always been there for her husband, her kids, her grandkids, the neighbors, the homebound church members, a widowed aunt, the homeless shelter. And her mother had stubbornly dodged people who offered to take care of her, including her doctor. So Jessica was angry at her mother, and she was angry at herself for being angry. As the days got colder and darker, Jessica got more and more sad. Each week, just getting through the day was harder and harder. The kids and Tim were on eggshells around her, either deathly quiet or hyper-happy, all for fear she'd start crying, which she'd been doing without warning. They'd had Thanksgiving with Tim's parents, who were polite and sympathetic, but no one talked about her mom. Jessica had been dreading Christmas because it was her mother's holiday. Mom loved making her own cookies and candy and decorations. Since each child's birth and each grandchild's birth, she'd given all of them a new, specially selected annual ornament. She'd always picked out everyone's family trees, but from a clean distance, standing in the gravel at the edge of a muddy Christmas tree lot where the family dragged over six or seven trees for her approval. But Mom's observance of Christmas had always gone beyond decorations. She regularly served meals at the homeless shelter. She'd adopted a family from the Salvation Army and each year would take Dad along to the families, uh, uh, had, would take Dad along um, uh, to a various families who were in need with a carload of food or presents. She insisted on giving generous gifts to international relief agencies. And her mother had always hosted a Christmas dinner for the extended family, as many as 25 people spread throughout the house, eating a full holiday meal off of laptop trays and card tables. After mom's death, Jessica had pledged herself to step into the family hostess role, but now she felt completely overwhelmed at the thought of it. What had she been thinking? Jessica turned as Amanda walked into the living room from the den where Jonathan was still dive-bombing the shepherds with a squadron of angels. Amanda went straight to the box marked Mom. Are these grandmas, she asked. Yes, baby, Jessica took a deep breath. This was the moment she'd been putting off. She began to pull her mother's special ornaments out of the box, the lacquered cookie canes, the clothespin reindeer, the sequined styrofoam balls, antique tin bells, and a paper-framed picture of herself when she was just about Amanda's age. 
And down near the bottom, Jessica found last year's annual ornament. It was packed in its own separate box with a handwritten note underneath. She opened the card and caught her breath at the sight of her mother's flourishing and perfect handwriting. She slowly and silently read the note. Dear honey, Christmas blessings and Happy New Year. Don't get so busy that you forget to welcome Jesus. And remember, I'll always love you. Mom, Christmas 2018. Jessica sat on the footstool she'd been using to vainly hang those ornaments. Last year had been her last innocent Christmas. Her last Christmas to fuss over details without having to worry about short and fragile nature of life. Did her mother suspect something when she wrote this note? Was she already feeling the pains but waiting till after Christmas to go to the doctor? Even as she felt the tears coming, Jessica tried to stop them, but she couldn't. Before she'd even known it, they'd been streaming down her cheeks, and now, as she thought about her mother's untreated pain, a sob escaped. Then another, then a cascade of them. Continuing to clutch her mother's note, she finally surrendered and let her shoulders shake with sorrow. Amanda stood wide-eyed before her mother, still holding one of her grandmother's clothespin reindeers. I'm sorry, Mom. I'm sorry I opened the box. Jessica thought to herself, oh, but hasn't a box been opened? She steeled herself just enough to slip words into her subsiding sobs and said to Amanda, oh, baby, it's not your fault. I'm just missing Grandma, but you know, it's okay to cry when you feel sad. Yeah? Yeah. She sniffed, blew her nose, and I think, really, it's so good that we open this box, because I've been holding these tears in too long. And I'm glad that you're here with me to see Grandma's stuff. Jessica began to tell her daughter about her mother. How Grandma loved Christmas and how she loved Jesus and how silly she could be when making gifts or telling a story, how she loved to sing. And Amanda remembered how her grandma would sing lullabies and weird songs about bicycles built for two. And Amanda said she missed her grandmother too. Jessica enfolded Amanda in a hug and they both cried a bit. A light went on in Jessica's mind, a light that showed her how her relationship with Amanda was changing, growing, deepening. She got just a glimmer of the young woman this little girl was going to become, and it pleased and frightened her all at the same time. Just when she started to wonder where to go with all this emotion, they heard Tim's head thump against the eaves outside and his anguish squawk as he tumbled into the rhododendrons. They both ran laughing through the front door and found him sprawled across the dull green bushes, a sheepish grin acknowledging that he'd done it again. Jessica felt another light brighten in her head. 
the realization that part of this Christmas and the Christmases to come would be bare and leafless and teary and even dead. But part would always be green and smelling of cold pine. Part of it would always be filled with the life-changing memories and an inescapable love. What her mother had taught about Christmas and about life would continue to bless her and teach her and to bless and teach her mother's grandchildren. Jessica made a decision. She would give thanks and praise this Christmas. She would also take time to cry and remember and tell stories. She would ask Pastor Beth about the church bereavement group. And she would get her sister and maybe even her dad to help with the family Christmas dinner. And she realized she would make it to Easter. Jessica Parsons walked back into the house with Amanda, picked up her mother's Christmas ornament, and gave it to her daughter to hang on the tree.